0: Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk, this is Nancy McCrady. Make note that these episodes are archive episodes. It means that they have come from previously recorded podcasts that we've done over the last few years, but they are still very relevant, very necessary, and very provoking in the process of true discipleship. So take a listen to this series, and I hope that it will truly encourage you to go deeper with him. Enjoy this series on our developmental maturity markers. And by all means, my friends, let's mature. The hour that we live in is calling for it so very, very deeply. And to the pleasure of our Father, I pray that it happens. Love you all. Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. On today's episode, we continue with developmental maturity markers. This is part two. Are you hitting those developmental markers that really um, cause you to know that you're moving in the maturing of your new life in Christ. So take a listen today, and I really challenge you to go into the Word and look at how Jesus was meeting uh, and surpassing His developmental maturity markers and how we can do the same. All right, I hope that this provokes you deeper in your process with Him. Hey everybody, so here we are again. Are you hitting your developmental maturity markers? Any good parent is watching their kids and they're loving seeing them grow and flourish, but there is nothing that strikes at the heart of a true parent more than when suddenly they realize, I think there's something wrong in the development of my child. Huh, what about you? Have you ever experienced that with one of your children, a niece, a nephew, maybe you've been a teacher, an educator, maybe you've watched the people in your corporation, in your business, your other colleagues, people at church, all across the board. There's something in a true parent, a true builder, a true leader that when they realize in themselves, or in those whom they have some responsibility to, they suddenly realize, hold up just a minute. I don't think they're maturing the way that they're meant to. I think they're missing some developmental markers. It's what in education they say, there are developmental delays. If a child isn't speaking, or walking, or um, uh, processing information, you know. There's a whole spectrum of autism. There's a spectrum of where you begin to realize. I don't know where my child falls on this spectrum, uh, but I don't think they're they're moving forward. Something's not healthy, and so when. As leaders, as people, as parents, when you begin to recognize that there's something that needs to happen, we've got to begin to look at what is going on. You know, even during these past months, and you have all kinds of ripple effects coming from uh, the pandemic, of uh, the cultural uh, unrest, and the cultural awakening to many things that's going on. And what people are realizing is is we've got a lot of of people that are stunted in their growth. Their self-awareness is very low, that we didn't realize that even though they're charming and they're successful, that if you press them just a little bit, they'll go off on you, lie about you, (laughs) try to control you. All right. Or you didn't realize that people that are around you and everybody's walking around like everything's okay and you get just a little bit beneath the surface and you find out there are all these kind of uh, attitudes and hidden agendas and, and uh, that people are not as mature as a person as they may be in their ability to do a task, so you can give people tasks to do all day long and as long as they do them the way you want and they help you meet your deadlines you're like hey they're doing good but then all of a sudden you find out they've been sexually harassing someone at work while they were completing all your tasks or you find out that they've got all kinds of rage and violence when they get home with their own family members or you find out they've been lying on their resume or whatever the case may be. Do you know how many examples I could give? (laughs) All right. So we've got to recognize that though people may seem to be doing well on the surface, uh, where we need to be in our own lives addressing ourselves, because I can tell you this is where God is at. God is looking at the heart. God is looking at the inner development. And again, not that you're just an evolved person, but are you maturing in who you are in him and to him? So everything I do is, is from his point of view, as best I uh, know, um, because this is where he's challenged me. Because if I just stand looking as, did I go from being, you know, bad to good? Yeah, sure. Sure. But did I go from being dead to alive, and now that life that I now live in, is that life flourishing in me? Did I just go from a negative mindset to a positive mindset? No. I went from having um, software, if you will, that has a a very bad virus, the mind of the flesh, okay, that is software that you received from Adam, and it's got a bad virus. Number one, it's against God and His purposes. Number two, it thinks more highly of itself than it ought, and I could go on and on. All right, so when I came alive, a part of my inheritance when I came into this new life of Christ is I got his mind, the mind of Christ. So is that mind starting to break open inside of me? Do I think like him, which is my only hope of actually living like him. And I am so glad to be able to say to you that when I became born again, and so it is true for you, is I got new software and there is zero virus within it. It's my only hope of not being completely crazy, of not, it's my only hope of anything pure in thought and purpose and deed. Because you can fool a lot of people, and they can just think you are so awesome and so righteous. But you know, God and hell no, because your spirit—you can be seen in the spirit. You can fool people in the earth for a while, but in in the spirit realm, uh, there, no, I mean, there ain't no fooling anybody. Okay, you only—you may be fooling yourself. All right, but. This is where, listen, our only true hope of glory, our only true hope of anything is Christ in you. So is that the life that you're spending your time developing or are you on uh, the ever uh, you know, progressive evolving of being a better person, a better version of you, which doesn't actually exist? Okay, according to God, from God's point of view, he made you new in Christ. That's the only one that he sent the Holy Spirit to be one with. It's the only one he intends on uh, pouring out all of his power and, uh, and help to, all right? Everything else, you might think God is helping you in all of these things, but really he's just letting you ride that till it drops. Uh, he's just letting you ride your goodness until you finally hit the wall. Uh, he did, you know, Jesus did this with Peter, all right? So I just want to get you back on, on this page, you know, like with, uh, when I say back on this page, I mean that we've got to remember what it is we're talking about, the big picture. And and so, you know, Jesus kept saying to Peter, you know, Peter, don't, you know, you don't need to, you know, help me. How many of you know, sometimes you you do not need friends that are going to help you. Peter just thought, I'm going to help you, Jesus, You know, no, it's not going to be like that, Jesus. Nobody's going to, you know, hurt you because you're my hero, according to my comic book. All right. You're going to be the hero that I have been dreaming about and that I was looking for. Now, Jesus knew that Peter was truly called and he was walking with Peter, but it was so as to bring Peter to the end of all of his thoughts about what he thought it was all going to look like. Because Jesus knew, there's no way, Peter, that you can mature into the rock of the church, into who you're called to be, and walk with me for all your remaining years until we get this thing taken care of, this thing that keeps trying to stop me from being who I am to the Father and to the world. See, Peter, if Jesus had fallen to the pressure of Peter, you and I, would we would not be able to be born again today. I just thank God that Jesus hit all his developmental maturity markers and that he continued to mature and to wax wise and in favor with God and man. Okay, but there came a point between Peter and Jesus. Jesus had been trying to say, Peter, this isn't the way. Your mind and the things of man, not the things of God, you know all of that, and then on the night when it's all about to hit, because you see, Peter's unrest had been building. Peter's disillusionment was about to hit full-blown status, is that when he draws his sword and cuts off the guy's ear, when the mob shows up with their torches and their lanterns and their weapons to come to get Jesus, all right, and Peter's pulling out his sword Okay, Jesus is like, excuse me, guys, I'm I'm really sorry about my friend over here. He's still not clued in as to what I'm actually about and what I'm actually here to accomplish. Picks up the ear of the guy, I guess off the ground or off of his got caught in his tunic, you know, and he puts the ear back on the guy. He's like, no, that's not the way this is going to happen. That's not how what I'm here to do is going to happen. There's going to be any um beating and whipping anything. Jesus like it's gonna to happen to me. You see, Jesus was clear. He had gotten so clear because his developmental maturity markers had been hit all along the way. And every single one of them was necessary. That's why it tells us in Hebrews 5 verse 8 that Jesus learned obedience as the Son through the things that he suffered the things that he was willing to endure now listen to me carefully if you're going to hit your developmental maturity markers as a son to the father through Jesus Christ if you're going to hit then you're going to have to decide that you're going to endure for one reason and one reason only is to mature in relationship with the father so as to accomplish the Father-given assignment that is upon your life. And let me tell you, many things are going to come to stunt your growth, circumvent your growth, get you to give up on your growth, get you to take a different track, get you to completely blow up because you're so exasperated with everything, rather than staying in the long haul of what it is that God is doing in you. Okay, so this is a part of what was happening in Jesus. So if I wanna know how I'm gonna mature, I look at the way. His name is Jesus. I look at him and I find out um, this is this is the way. So there were many opportunities for Jesus to be able to ditch out. You know, it's, it's a fact that um, your yes isn't really a yes if you can't really say no if you're in situations where you believe that you can't really say no, then your yes is a slave yes. It's not a free yes. You know, Jesus had to be able to really say no at any moment for all of the points where he did say yes. Yes, I will go. Yes, it will be your way, Father. Yes, I will do it this way. Yes, when I stand before Pontius Pilate. Yes, when I'm you know, standing before the tomb at Lazarus and I waited two days to come. Yes, yes, yes. See, all of those yeses are only powerful and producing because Jesus could actually say no. All right, so this is very, very key. If you can't really say no, then your yes is not really a real yes. Yes. And it's kind of like when your mom says, you know, let's say you're, you know, nine years old, and your mom looks at you and says, honey, would you go and get me my coat in the other room? Okay, now let me just tell you, as a mom, this is what I'm really saying. Go get my coat. Now, we we say it in a way as though the child really could say yes or no. But how many of you know if the child says no, The oxygen kind of leaves the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You look at the child, you're like, Honey, I said go get my coat. Well, you asked me as though I had the ability to say yes or no. So how many of you know sometimes we need to speak more honestly, and if there's not really the option to say no, we don't need to act like there is one. But you see, when it comes to walking and moving with your father, there is always the ability to say no, and the ability to say yes. That's what free people are able to do. You know, so you got to be able to say no uh, if your yes is really going to be a powerful and producing yes. So Jesus could really have said no at any moment. Sometimes we put him on automatic pilot. So sometimes we think we should be on automatic pilot rather than an ever-maturing yes This is why one of my favorite statements is, with every fresh move of God, it's going to require fresh loyalty to God. Because sometimes you're like, I didn't even know this was in the travel brochure. I didn't even know this was going to be required. I didn't know I was going to hit this wall. I didn't know that this was inside of me that is now resisting the very um, path that I see the Father opening up to me. So, you see, this has to really be processed through. And every person has to come to see that that it is God who has liberated us through Jesus Christ, and the life that we now have is a life of freedom. I mean, God, you know, I, I don't know if even this is the right way to say it, but God invented freedom. Nobody believes in freedom more than God. Now, he wants you to have informed freedom. He wants you to understand consequences. He wants you to understand Uh, the ripple effects of those things. He wants you to understand what's required. So he wants to have real conversations with you, all of those things. And I think this is why Jesus spent a lot of time with the Father. You know, that's how he knew what the Father was saying and how he knew what the Father was doing was because they spent time together. I mean, this has got to get real. So let's just look at, you know, one of the places where we know that uh, Jesus uh, definitely let it be known that he could he could say no uh, at any time. And what was his yes based upon? What was the motivation of his yes? And then you and I will know, what is the motivation of our yes to the Father? So in Matthew 26, um, this is again, I believe, right where uh, Jesus, uh, is speaking, uh, and he is, um, telling, you know, um, I believe it's where he's telling Peter, uh, put your sword back into its place for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And so this again, Matthew 26, reading out of the Amplified Classic and, Um, So if I start in verse 51, I was referring to this earlier. Um, It it says, And behold, one of those who were with Jesus, Peter, (laughs) subliminal Peter, reached out his hand and drew his sword, and striking the body, servant of the high priest, cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Verse 53, do you suppose that I cannot appeal to my father and he will immediately provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? Do you know how many 12 legions is? My Bible tells me it's more than 80,000. Check this out. There they are. Jesus looks like he's all alone. I'm thinking, are there like 80,000 angels just breathing down his neck, waiting for him to give the give the sign that I'm out of here? I mean, think about this. Eight, think about the largest stadium, okay, that you can picture, okay? 80,000 people, let's just say 80,000 angels seated in that stadium, and you and a you humans are down on the field, and at any moment in this amphitheater, okay, at any moment, the, the sun could say, that's it, I'm done, it's over, and poof, everybody in the stadium, if they're angels, come to rescue him out and take him back. He gets to sit down on his throne. He gets to retrieve his glory and all of his rightful privileges and his dignity as God, and they go right on. Jesus said, don't you know? I can take a rescue at any time. Here's the next verse. How powerful he says. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must come about this way? Oh, this is so powerful. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at McCrady. See, Jesus, somewhere between the age of 30 and 33, you see these developmental maturity markers? There came a moment where Jesus says, sure, I can say at any moment, hey, Father, I'm done. Uh, this is getting to be too much. This is not what I thought. Or for whatever reason... He could just say, I'm out of here. And he says, don't you know the Father would come immediately and get me? Y'all going to be on your own. I'm out. But you see, it wasn't even for us specifically that he says, it says that Jesus is, he's exposing his mind. He's exposing the mind of Christ to you, which is But then, how would the Word that we have spoken be fulfilled? How would the Word, the Scriptures, be fulfilled that said it was going to have to happen this way? I mean, it's written down for all to see this is what the word says. This is what I came to do. I've known it all along. This is what I've been maturing towards the full will of my father. Okay. I mean, this is powerful. Are you hitting this developmental marker in your life? Is there a point in time where you're like, that's it. I'm tired. I'm out. I'm. It's over. This is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, nobody appreciates what I'm doing. I mean, what is this really about anyway? You know, I'm done. God loves me. I'm going to make it to heaven and to heck with everybody else. Okay. All right then. There you have it. (laughs) Okay. But then have you hit the developmental maturity marker of the life of Christ inside of you that you would then say when flesh is offering up every single one of those thoughts, every single one of those options that you could bow out, you could walk out, you could run off, you could shut down, you could quit. Have you noticed how many people, quote, have quit Jesus that are quitting Christianity, that are deciding, hey, I didn't let y'all know until, you know, my last album sold. I didn't let y'all know until you know, I just got to the point where I've decided inwardly and privately, like three years ago, but I'm just letting y'all know now because it's taken me this long to gather up the courage to be able to tell you I quit God. Have y'all recognized this? That this is actually happening. So what I'm trying to say to you is that uh, it could happen to anyone if you don't hit this developmental maturity marker, that there comes. Uh, the moments in our life that the life of Jesus is breaking open in us. Because, my friends, everything human has limits. The the human stuff, human faith, human loyalty to God, no. It's never going to make it. It was never going to make it. And right now, man, what's in people is breaking out. So just recognize that recognize that when people come to the end of their rope, you do know that's the moment that you could actually step into the life of Christ in you. Because the human source, the self-source, has its limits. Okay, But here we are, born of Christ, born of His life. And when He says, well, I could ask for a rescue, but then the Scriptures wouldn't be fulfilled... Okay. How many of you know that's inside of us? You see, I'm going to stay tapped in. I already quit on God 24 years ago, and he had to do a mighty work in me. So I'm talking from deep personal experience, but it's not true because it's my experience. It's true because it's in the Word of God that Jesus had to come to that moment when his friends wanted to help him, his friends were going to pity him, his friends were going to defend him. Nobody can treat you like this, Jesus. And Jesus is like, back up. You're not acting like my friend right now. I'm on assignment for the Father. Do you understand? Is that happening in you? Or have you been holding on to old bitternesses so that the first sign of somebody actually, you know, sympathizing with you causes you to just break out and suddenly, you know, you're a victim again. And and you're getting your need for attention met, and your need for love, and your need for justice, and your need for understanding is now being met by everybody telling you, Yeah, that's right. You should be so torn up about that, you should be so bitter. You understand this is going to be a part of the danger. Listen, I, I'm empathetic with a lot of people. It's part of part of my assignment to be deeply empathetic towards them. But guess where my empathy comes from? It comes from Jesus. Because I know there's nobody that empathizes with them like Jesus. And I don't want to give them my sad, counterfeit empathy, sympathy. I want them to know the full breast of God, that they can come and they can drink of him. And there is no one that will empathize with them like Jesus because nobody has seen their trouble like Jesus, taken it to the grave, gotten up in resurrection life and ready to give them his new life. And I'm telling you, this is not an intellectual empathy. Okay. This is like deep, real, true empathy that meets your real deep need. Mm. So here we have Jesus hitting his developmental maturity marker because see, this was a big moment. It might not look like it, but it was. It's a big moment in his development. You see, he had to keep saying yes all the way, all the way through. He was abiding, continuing, remaining, staying. That's what we're called to. But you can't produce that on your own. You've got to share in the actual life of Jesus, the actual nature of Jesus. But it's in the nature. But is that nature what's being fed and nourished and cultivated because you're personally being discipled and you're choosing to stay with the Father, even though you're being offered many other options. So Jesus said, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must come about this way? Verse 55 says, and at that moment, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber to capture me? Day after day, I was accustomed to sit in the porches and courts of the temple teaching, and you didn't arrest me then. Verse 56, but all of this has taken place in order that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him, and fleeing, they escaped. Oh, that's so powerful. (laughs) I would encourage you to read that and think, wow. Jesus said, I am the Word, and now the Word is being lived out in me and through me. I'm the proving ground for everything that the Word says. I'm the proving ground, you see, for what I preach. Do any of you out there believe that you're going to be the proving ground for what you preach? I know I am. I know if God is telling it to me, I know he's going to work it in me. And then if I am saying to people, you know, certain things, I know that their response to me or reaction to me, that the truth of what I've just said could get lived out on me. Do you understand that? This, this is why a lot of, you know, teachers, preachers, mouthpieces of God, messengers of God. This is why. Oftentimes they may keep silent because they realize that if I poke it in somebody else, like it's had to be poked in me, what I poke might decide that it's about to come out at me. So, you see, Jesus talked to the crowds, and as he spoke, his disciples deserted him, and they were fleeing and escaping. Did you know that could be part of your development? Hmm? Now, next time, I think we'll talk about how it goes on to say, you know, Peter hung around because Peter was in, about to hit full-blown disillusionment, which is what brought him to full-blown denial. My friends, your friends and your foes are going to be disappointed, disillusioned. Many things are going to happen within our lives in the days to come if we're really going to hit our developmental maturity markers. I believe that God has called us to destiny relationships, but he's not called you to a herd mentality. And if your only safety is i got to say what the herd is saying. If your only safety is, you know, I've got to say it like I'm being told to say it rather than the Father is speaking and I'm going to live in a way so that His Word can actually be fulfilled. My allegiance isn't to myself or to you, it's to Him. So do you see that this is where we come into uh, the depths of real development? Otherwise, trauma, trauma is going to keep disrupting and disturbing your development, things that scare you on a a pretty large scale. So I just want you to be encouraged, my friends. There's only one life that God's interested in developing in you, and it's His life. You want to know how you're supposed to be behaving and speaking? Well, you're going to have to get with Him. Romans 6 tells us that we conduct our business, we walk and behave in newness of life. That means we've got to put away childish things. We've got to put away all those things that we have used when we were immature, when we were childish. Anything that's stunting your growth, God is getting ready to expose to you so that, number one, you can mature in your oneness with Him. He wants you And will your loyalties be to Him so that when He sends you out, nobody breathing down your neck, nobody pulling a sword, nobody trying to scare you, nobody trying to exert power over you, nobody will be able to dominate you? If you're developed in your real life in Christ, if you're developed, Nobody will be able to dominate you. It might appear as though they are, but since what's really happening is happening in the spirit, and then it shows up in the natural and the physical, let's make sure we're not being dominated inwardly, even though we look really awesome outwardly. Let's be those who look awesome inwardly. We have an inward likeness to Christ, Romans 8 says, an inward likeness to him. That will result in outward living. But as I said on last time's podcast, Jesus was willing to look courageous and cowardly because he knew that it's going to all look so different to other people. He said, I've just got to make sure that I'm walking with my Father. This is what's going to bring our developmental maturity markers to the forefront uh, because we were made for him and living unto Him. This is the greatest way what makes us the safest people to serve our generation, to serve others around us, to be reformers, to be those who are truly bringing in the real exchange into culture. Um, So we got to get that right first. Okay? All right then. I think that's enough for today. And uh, I hope this is provoking you deeper with Him and is really provoking your thinking. All right? I love you all. Till next time. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymcready.com.